You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I was originally going to call this podcast Brave New World or Brave New Podcast because I was going to be delving into um, technocracy and transhumanism. And I said, you know, I'm just going to brand it around my name. Uh, Years ago when I was fighting the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and I was on radio there, there was a journalist who hated me, hated me with the New Haven advocate. Betsy Betsy Agla was her name, I believe. And she wrote this multiple-page piece on me. And she had all these themes like the gold standard, uh, fool's gold, the gold nugget. And so I said, ah, you know, I'm going to stick with the dust and gold standard. That sounds good. You know, I'll use uh, the people who hate me's words against them. I thought it was a cute play on words. So I did that. And I'm like sitting here over the break going, wow, wow, we should have uh, called this Brave New World because... That is what we're entering if we don't just say no, folks. All right, let's jump over. I I think with Internet of Senses, you guys have a clear understanding. I think I did a pretty good job of that. And so um, if you have any questions or if anyone wants me to uh, dig up any more information, as I've done throughout episodes, when you've said to me, oh, you brushed over certain things, I went back and... uh, redid the dedicated you know one or two segments to a topic to expand on that so if that's the case hit me up at gold at pain.tv or on twitter at dustin gold show or at hackable animal or you can join pain.tv slash gold and reach out to me on there uh but i will probably go through the 10 hot consumer trends in detail as i said in maybe like an hour special episode not a full uh, episode Um, And I've got a note for that, and I'll try to fit it in at some point. Okay, so we've got the Internet of Things. We've got the Internet of Bodies. We've got the Internet of Senses, which really make up the Internet of all things, the Internet of everything. And so now, let me just touch on, even though this fits under Internet of Things, but I want to touch on smart cities, okay? And the reason why I want to do that is because smart cities play into the physical side right where the digital side is the metaverse which we'll get into but the physical side of the prison planet of the matrix are going to be the smart cities which are equipped with this whole internet of everything well you're well you'll have the internet of senses and internet of things and internet of bodies okay so this article is on NayaEnergy.com. that's n-a-y-a energy.com And it says, Smart Cities, Internet of Things, and Bill Gates. And so, um, sorry, my mouse froze for a second. It says, are we facing just another buzzword phenomenon, or are smart cities truly a step forward in the right direction to improve urban planning? Okay, urban planning, social engineering. What exactly is a smart city? Smart cities are commonly known as planned urban environments in which information is collected and used in a way that maximizes the efficiency of various resources and assets within the city. Most smart cities accomplish this through the use of various electronic data collection sensors and systems. All right, so just ask yourself, 
what is the difference between a smart city and a prison? Okay, now, they may or may not get into some of the topics that I would eventually like to discuss as we expand on smart cities in a episode that I have planned all by itself. But I thought it was important to bring in smart cities here so that you have an understanding of it before we get into the metaverse, which is more complex, okay? So you say, what's the difference between a smart city and a prison compound? Just think about that because eventually... Uh, once you understand it, it's going to feel just just like what a prison compound would be. It says right here, this type of organization impacts almost every activity within the city, including traffic flow management, public and private transportation, power, water, food, and other community necessities. And so they have a diagram here showing smart manufacturing, smart government, smart Wi-Fi, smart healthy, open data, digital citizens, smart farming, smart buildings, smart energy, and smart transportation. And that's called the smart city life. It says this comprehensive management of resources, amongst other things, is done by using aggregated data, communication technology, and the Internet of Things, which allows for device-to-device communication. Some of the more technologically advanced cities like San Diego, San Francisco, Ottawa, Brisbane, Amsterdam, Kyoto, and Bangalore are all setting trends with their use of information technology. San Francisco is great, by the way. (laughs) Oh, man. How are these smart cities setting trends with information technology? These smart cities are boosting efficiency while minimizing their waste of resources. Some people, however, are worried about what this might mean for normal cities. In a 2008 publication called From Intelligent to Smart Cities, the author explains how the self-congratulatory nature of the claims cities make in being smarter and more efficient can spark entrepreneurial competition. The author asks us to be aware of that, quote, if left to be entrepreneurial, there is a strong chance that smart cities will develop in a way which is too uh, neoconservative and insufficiently progressive, end quote. This point of view, man, this is hilarious. This point of view follows a similar pattern from the 1990s when New York launched the famous, quote, I heart New York, end quote, campaign to improve tourism. It caused a ripple effect throughout America. Quote, every city wanted to be like New York to be seen, in other words, as clean, safe, and, quote, open for business, end quote. Regardless of the fear that smart cities could be repeating history, the reality is that with the influence of companies like IBM, the world is moving towards creating, at the very least, smarter cities. Now, let me just ask you a question as we got through that. So they fear that what will happen is these cities will become too entrepreneurial and too commercial, sort of what they're saying, right? They don't want competition from the entrepreneurs. But see, the lie in that, okay, the falsehood, 
is that these cities are being built by the entrepreneurs. As you all know, the technologies that are driving the technocracy, the Internet of Things, transhumanism, you know, the Internet of Bodies, all of the technology we've looked at comes from the supposed private sector. Even though we know that the government develops most of these technologies and then hands them off to puppets, to oligarchs, to PR men in the private sector to bring forward and normalize and humanizes them through late night comedy shows, movies, and TV shows. Okay, so they're already working in cooperation, as we've proven through Klaus Schwab's words and others, that the private-public partnership is, in fact, one entity. And so this idea that somehow the entrepreneurs are, are going to ruin it, the entrepreneurs are the ones who built it. They're the ones who came up with it, uh, at least as far as we're supposed to believe, although much of this is done in these government think tanks and these NGOs and places like World Economic Forum, all right? So the government and the private sector are all on board with this. They're all part of it. They are building prison cities. It says here, Bill Gates is backing smart cities. And I know we haven't gone into depth on Bill Gates in the show, and I think that's because there's a a plethora of content out there on him. We touched on his 06006 patent uh, the other day. And so I'll work him in when it's necessary. But I don't think I need to do a whole show on him, not just yet, but eventually I will. Bill Gates is backing smart cities. Currently, one of the larger initiatives towards the construction of smart cities in Arizona is headed by Microsoft's very own Bill Gates. When a man like Bill Gates buys 25,000 acres of land 45 minutes away from Phoenix, the question that should be asked is, why? Now, let me ask you, we know that he is the largest uh, farmland owner today, or at least he was a couple of months ago. And so we believe, many of us believe, he's going to try to kill off farms so that he can promote and sell his plant-based lab meat. And also, I believe that a lot of the land he's buying, he's going to turn into these smart cities uh, all over the place, probably in partnership with the government, and make himself trillions of dollars, but at the same time, be able to control and have power over people, which is the ultimate goal. Now, they're talking about the worries of the quote-unquote entrepreneurial world, the private sector, from getting involved with smart cities, when it says right here, Bill Gates is building a smart city, <laughs> has built a smart city. So it says here, to many, Arizona is simply thought of as a desert. To others, it's the future. Bill Gates dreams of creating the city of Belmont, and he envisions Belmont as a smart city. Arizona is uniquely suited towards being a leader for the state of urban development in the next century. With temperatures already extreme heights, a growing economy, and an increasing interest by major innovators, Arizona presents a uniquely fertile environment for sustainable development. The planned Belmont and the changes to Phoenix are not the first times that Arizona has seen an attempt at optimization of urban life. Architect Paolo Soleri built the well-known town of Arcosante, 70 miles from Phoenix, in the 70s. Construction of Arcosante is still ongoing, though the focus there is less on the use of internet technology and more on architecture and philosophy. The idea is similar. 
Well, one is built on architect and philosophy. The other is a prison planet. So I don't know how it's similar, but I guess it's similar because they're both called cities. I'm not sure. Some question whether Phoenix or Arizona are actually good choices for such development. I touched on this earlier, but some aspects like the heat, the sparsity of resources, uh, for example, water and wood, and indeed the extremity of the climate make it unsavory as a choice for such urban environments. But here's the thing. If it works in what's possibly one of the most inhospitable climates in the entire world, shouldn't it work anywhere? This, I believe, is one of the reasons why such progress should be made in a place like Arizona. What better place for a prison complex than Arizona, folks? If it works here, even if the temperature keeps rising, the solutions for Arizona have the potential to be solutions for the entire world. Okay, so this just gives you an idea here of what they're talking about with these smart cities. It gives you an idea of what Bill Gates, one of these guys heavily involved in the whole COVID land high school theater production, are involved with. Okay, and so the smart cities are these interconnected cities, totally controlled from the traffic flow to the heat or coolness in your apartment or your home to the control of the water flow in your toilets, completely 100% controlled by algorithms, by computers, by artificial intelligence, totally run by the technocrats and people are willing to move into these. Some don't even know anything about it, and they end up moving in. Others actually cheered this stuff on for some reason, and I cannot figure out why, but for some reason, bred into some humans, is this desire to be a slave, a desire to be told what to do, a desire to be controlled, a desire to be babied, Something about them, they just can't go off on their own. They can't be independent. They can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and be some kind of a rugged individualist. They don't want true freedom. They don't want true liberty because that is the unknown. They would rather be coddled and bossed around and forced right into the cattle car and sent down the tracks to Auschwitz concentration camp where I was standing just a month ago today, looking at the train tracks where the trains came down and brought the slaves, brought the prisoners into the camps before they were tortured and executed. And for some reason, there are humans out there that want this future for themselves and they want to push it on all of us. But folks, you know what you say to them? No, just say no. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to Ping.tv slash gold. Folks, smart cities, 
are for stupid people. Just say no. Smart cities are for stupid people. Just say no, folks. All right, so that was just a brief touch. Just a brief touch on the smart cities because I'm going to do an entire episode on that. But I thought it was important to introduce you to the concept of smart cities before we talk a little bit about the metaverse. Because, again, what I was trying to do yesterday, introducing you to the Internet of Things and the Internet of Bodies, then tonight the Internet of Senses and the smart cities. So you can see this you know, physical world in which they're hijacking, the technocrats are hijacking and building their technocratic matrix around, sort of choking us out at every turn. And essentially this concept of the smart city will be a smart globe. And within that, you will have the internet of things, internet of bodies, and internet of senses all interacting to create the internet of everything. And then when you're in this, what's left of the natural world, It'll be totally controlled by sort of this software, Microsoft operating system uploaded into everything. And then on the other side is the metaverse. So what I'm going to introduce you to now is the metaverse. And we're kind of lucky this article just came out. And I'm going to introduce you to the metaverse through this article, which actually dropped uh, yesterday. It's actually the 13th today, so it dropped on the 12th. And then tomorrow, we are going to analyze a World Economic Forum panel discussion on the metaverse. That is actually all we'll be doing tomorrow because it's a longer video. And I want to listen to the people that are leading the charge on the metaverse actually talk about it um, uh, from a non-conspiratorial angle. Just what are they saying? What are the people building it saying? And then that way, we would have wrapped up sort of uh, the natural, uh, the hijacking of the natural world through the internet of everything and the smart cities, and then we will have gotten through the metaverse, and then that way you have a solid understanding of what, you know, the Neuralink brain chip and all the other technologies we talk about, mind twinning and everything else, play into, and that's the world they've developed, and then now I can go back in time to Operation Paperclip, where uh, the United States brought 1,500 Nazi scientists and engineers here after World War II. And we could start to dissect that and look at how it had influence over uh, Silicon Valley, over Huntsville, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, where we do a lot of technological work, uh, over our military, our government. And then we can start to make uh, assumptions and analyze uh, whether or not those had effects over what we're actually seeing today. That's kind of where I'm trying to get with all of this. But I figured I had to take whatever number of shows it was to actually explain this technology and get more of a solid understanding of it for myself so that we can talk about the parallels between uh, some of the things that were developed during World War II and then bring it all the way to where we are today. So this article right here is on dailymail.co.uk, and this is Disney Bets the Mouse House on Virtual Reality. Beleaguered CEO Bob Shapik reveals plans for a, quote, lifestyle experience and, quote, metaverse that will recreate their theme parks online and hence Hulu will merge with streaming service. And, uh, folks, I don't know um, if it was on Twitter or where it was, but I had talked about at one point that my wife, 
Uh, she's from Poland. She moved here when she was 19 to go to college. Um, she's traveled all over the world when she was younger. She was traveled to, uh, she traveled to 47 countries, including the United States and Poland, but she had never gone to Broadway and she always wanted to go to Broadway. So for her birthday, I, and I hadn't been to Broadway for a number of years. I grew up 90 minutes from New York City. So as a kid, my mom was into the arts and we went to Broadway. Not all the time, probably 10 shows or something. And so my wife's favorite movie, uh, when she started learning English uh, more fluently and came here to the United States, one of her favorite movies was Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams. And so... Um, I was looking at Broadway shows and I said, oh my God, they have a Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. It's probably, they destroyed it. And so I, I took her as a surprise uh, to go see it. And I had said to her um, at the time that uh, if we want to go, we should go now. This is uh, a few months ago. I said, we should go now because Broadway is so woke. They totally played into the whole COVID land high school theater production. Uh, which, what would you expect different from a bunch of theater folks? And so uh, I said, plus, um, you know, I think the younger generation isn't going to appreciate the arts and theater, so we should go now before they shut down all of Broadway, probably using the excuse of wokeness and COVID and people not buying tickets and basically turn Broadway into just a metaverse attraction where you'll watch a play with a VR headset on, and it's not the same. You need to go to Broadway and be crammed into an uncomfortable seat and sit there for three hours and watch a musical, which, by the way, uh, other than the wokeness that they injected into the storyline, but unfortunately that's what fits, in today's uh, fits into today's culture, it was a great play, and the main actor was phenomenal. Uh, played it almost... Um, the, the Daniel character was a little different, than Robin Williams' take on it, but the Mrs. Doubtfire was dead on. I couldn't believe the makeup they were able to do, and the character was just phenomenal. So, anyway, let's get into this. It, it just happened to remind me of me telling my wife we need to go before they destroy it and put it in the metaverse, and now you're going to see what Disney's doing. And I know a lot of you guys out there follow Disney and all the satanic uh, pedophile stuff and everything and that's fine but i'm not going to get into that right now because that's not the point of this story this is to show you that uh disney is about to take disney world into the metaverse it says and it's a good introduction to the metaverse because it's giving you a real world uh experience a real world understanding of what these uh these technocrats are actually doing it says ceo bob uh, Chapik said the media giant's metaverse would exist on a streaming platform Disney Plus and allow people to experience park rides in virtual reality. With Disney preparing for its 100th anniversary, Chapik characterized the metaverse plans as the brand's way into the future. Chapik said people would be able to explore the sets of rides and interact with characters. The metaverse would also work with real-world visits to Disney theme parks, with customers' streaming services being tailored to what they did at the parks. But many called the move out of touch with Disney's fan base and argued that if the parks stopped hiking prices, more people would be able to visit. 
And so the article goes on to say, Disney is plotting a metaverse that would let people experience the most magical place on earth without ever setting foot in the theme park. Now, I remember as a kid, I was in eighth grade. This is before everyone knew that Disney was evil. But uh, my father was a cop and then he had uh, become a private investigator. My mom was just getting back into work uh, after raising me and my sister for the first uh, several years of our lives. And so they were typical middle class, uh, not wealthy people, not upper middle class. And my dad worked his ass off to save up the money to take my sister and I and my mom on a trip to Disney World. And in eighth grade, it was almost border, bordering the age in which maybe it's a little too old for you. But I tell you, I still remember it to this day. It was a magical place, and it was incredible being there with uh, my parents and my sister. And then I went back a few years later with a friend of mine. Um, his family took me on a trip down there. And then uh, three other families from high school were all there at the same time. So we all met up. And at that point, we were in high school. So we were causing havoc and running around Disney World like maniacs. Completely different experience than going there with my parents as a child. But again, these are the kind of experiences, um, you know, they sort of destroyed the brand with wokeness and. Uh, all the unveiling of you know the secrets behind them and so a place that was uh seen as magical was destroyed now you're gonna see a little bit <laughs> when we do operation paperclip walt disney's tie-ins to Werner von braun who was the head of nasa who was actually one of the operation paperclip nazis we brought over here but uh, as far as the perception back then, it was a magical place. And now, again, with the metaverse, they want to take the magic of the real-life experience away from our children and grandchildren. Not that I would bring my child to Disney World, but places like this, like Broadway, will be disappearing over the next few years. So it says here, CEO Bob Chevick said the media giant's metaverse would exist on a streaming platform Disney Plus and allow the 90% of people that will never, ever be able to get to Disney Park to experience in virtual reality. Quote, we call it next-gen storytelling. End quote, Chapik said in an inter interview with Deadline, noting that he didn't like to use the phrase metaverse, quote, because it has a lot of hair on it. End quote. But regardless of whatever Chappick prefers to call the planned platform, many have responded by calling the move out of touch with Disney's fan base and argued that if the park stopped hiking prices, more people would be able to visit. The move comes as Chappick, who took the helm in Disney in 2020, struggles to make a name for himself in the shadow of his innovative predecessor, Bob Iger, and keep afloat amid controversies ranging from the park's rising prices to Disney's stance on Florida's don't say gay bill. Just last week, Chappick broke a months-long silence on an apology he issued in an attempt to quell Disney staff who were outraged by his failure to speak out against the controversial bill last spring, saying he chose to remain mum on the matter because he didn't want to get Disney caught in a political subterfuge. And so, uh, and, and so this article goes on to talk a little bit about, um, about 
this metaverse concept, but he didn't go into depth on it yet. But you get the idea, folks. What they're going to do now is they're going to create 3D digitized video game Second Life versions of the metaverse, which you'll be able to access on their streaming platform with your VR headset. And let me just explain how this works in the future. The idea behind the metaverse is that everything is going to be connected. So whether that be meta, which is Facebook's metaverse uh, that you access through Oculus, or whether it be some of the other ones that we'll go over in future episodes, eventually it's going to be a world that you step into where you have a digital house, and you have a digital car, and you have a digital family, and you have digital food, and you have a digital job, and you have a digital building you go to work in, And then you will be able to, just like in real life, buy a a concert ticket, which they're already doing this today. You can buy digital concert tickets in the metaverse to see, like Britney Spears, perform live in the metaverse. And so Broadway will be in there. There's comedy clubs already in there. I actually looked into that because I used to be in comedy production. There's comedy clubs in there. And then now Disney will be in there. So eventually the entire Disney theme park will be reconstructed inside of the digital world. And you'll go inside and pay through your uh, government-issued crypto tokens that you'll get through some kind of a system from uh, like Bill Gates is developing where you do a dance like a little monkey with your symbols and they throw tokens at you. And then you can use the tokens to go inside of the metaverse. And essentially... What I believe through the research I've done is that as you're doing all these activities inside of the metaverse and your brain is working, your brain is then generating power that then they are going to suck out of you and use to power their new climate-friendly world, the world we just looked at, the smart city, internet of everything world. And all the data used to process it is going to be stored on those DNA hard drives that I talked to you about on a future episode. So folks, tomorrow we're going to delve deep into the metaverse through this panel discussion that I dug up from the World Economic Forum. And as far as I know, I haven't seen anyone else cover this in depth yet. So we're going to go through it all and analyze it. But folks, I hope I did a decent job of explaining all of this to you i think you walk away with a solid understanding of the technologies and the basis for what will become the metaverse as we go into that tomorrow but in the meantime folks once again i think today we walk away with the message just say no whenever you have an opportunity to just say no whenever you're about to get sucked in with their real world or their digital clickbait just say no whenever your kid is about to pick up that ipad or that iphone or video game or put on the vr or ar headset or slap on the iWatch or put on the fitbit Have the guts to just say no. I know it's difficult to take something away from a child when they've already been indoctrinated into it. They're already addicted to it. You have to look at it as an addiction. But you need to start weaning your children and grandchildren off of this technology. And you can only do that by starting to explain to them the dangers that are out there. And I know some people want to um, shield their children from this. They want to protect them. But the reality is, folks, you're either going to let them step into this world and they're eventually going to be hooked into the metaverse 
or you're going to have to figure out in your own way. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of courage, but you're eventually going to have to teach them to just say no. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. Come and join us, folks. Come and join us at pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you all. Have a great night. Have a great day whenever it is you're listening. See you later, folks. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.